1: Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today, Raul Agrawal, co-founder of DesignHill. Raul comes from a family of business owners. After earning degrees in chemical engineering and business, he struggled with finding good designers. His younger brother, Viren, a freelance designer, was having trouble finding good clients and getting paid. The two decided to build a business to solve the problem. The result was Design Hill, which now boasts over 250,000 design professionals connecting with over a million businesses. The platform offers a way for businesses of all levels to find good design services at a price point they can afford, whether it's an inexpensive do-it-yourself logo or customized printed products. Raul works on the business development and branding while Varun oversees the technical side. The brothers make their partnership work by recognizing the different skill sets each brings to the table, having a common vision, and making decisions together on long-term strategies. Raul stresses the importance of learning as much as you can about areas of the business you might not know much about, and that you need to know a little more than a little so you can be sure to hire the right people and make well-informed decisions. Now, let's get better together. Raul Agarwal, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, Jerry. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Really looking forward to speaking with you today. Well, I am too, because you
1: run a company. You're co-founder of this thing, this this massive thing. I found out <laughs> today, uh, of called Design Hill, which is about taking uh, people that need design work and designers and matching them together to build like really cool products and services and logos and all sorts of cool stuff. And so. Um, that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs ask about a lot, like branding and logos and package design. There's all, it's, it's always a very big sore spot. Right. Um, and I'm, can't wait to dig into that and also talk about your co-founder as well. But before we do that, why don't you, uh, let us know how you got to do what you're
2: doing today. Sure. Uh, so, you know, we have a very interesting story. Uh, I, I don't know many if many of you know that, but, you know, me and my younger brother, Varun, uh, we both are the ones who co-founded Design Hill together uh, a few years back. And uh, the idea for Design Hill sort of, you know, it just happened with us because of the differing interests that we had as, you know, people. Uh, I'm the elder brother. I finished my graduation, did, did my post-graduation. And, you know, we come from a uh, family a business family you know with third generation entrepreneurs that way and so inadvertently when I came back I joined our family business joined my father grandfather and uh, at that point of time you know design was something that you know we we didn't really pay a lot of attention to it was given that, you know, for some reason, I had a knack for it in the sense that I really wanted us to look professional. I wanted us to have a more professional branding and, you know, the way we presented ourselves to our customers. And and in that uh, thought, I, you know, I ventured out and I started looking out for designers and design agencies, which, in fact, I had a, you know a lot of trouble finding. Uh, You know, somebody who was, you know, affordable, somebody who could give me, uh, you know, enough options that, you know, we could choose from and, you know, other stuff. Uh, On the other hand, my younger brother, Varun, uh, he, in fact, was a freelance designer from a very early age. You know, he was having a lot of issues on his side because he was not able to find uh, great customers. Uh, You know, he was not able to get a hold of, uh, you know, payments in time, you know, the vacation issues. And eventually, uh, you know, when he came back, uh, you know, we we just discussed the issues that we were having, and it was something that you know we just felt that we had to do because we realized that it was not a local problem; it was a global problem, and uh, customers worldwide, designers worldwide, uh, were having the same issues that we were having, and that's when we decided that you know, uh, Design Hill is something that we we needed to do because it was some a problem that could be solved. Uh, globally. And it was something that we know we could build and scale um, over a period of time. So, yeah, so that's that's how we uh, got into it. Wow. So
1: baby brother is co-founder. How's uh, (laughs) how's that? How does that work? I mean, I I interview a lot of people. And the the one I found the, uh, you know, the husband wife co-found team, which Mm -hmm. Is I always find interesting cause I, I, I used to work with my, my late wife, Jane. Um, I oh. don't think I would ever, I don't think my current fiance and I would, would work at the same company together, although we're really good working together, but it's a different thing. So how, how is it, you know, being co-founder with
2: your, with your brother? I think, um, uh... First of all, I, I think I would like to say is that, you know, you had a lot of guts because, you know, I think a husband wife co-founding relationship is definitely much more riskier. You know, I think you, you have much more at stake as compared to, you know, when you're doing it with your brother, because, you know, you in, in a way you can bash each other, you can get angry with each other and you can afford to do that because you don't have to sleep in the bed. You know together so uh, you know you can you can avoid each other for a few days as well and it works fine I mean that's what happened with me and Varun, and it still happens sometimes you know um, uh, you know I think I think one of the most important irrespective of the kind of relationship that you have uh, be it a friend a, a, a brother or a husband or a wife I think what really matters uh, in finding a co-founder is uh, whether you are good friends whether you have a similar vision whether you are able to uh, complement each other in your skill sets right uh, because uh, that's i think that's really important because you know uh, because with me and my brother uh, you know we we very at, the, at a very early stage we figured out that you know what what were the things that we were good at what were the things we were uh, uh, good at individually and you know how we could complement each other and what roles we could fulfill Uh, in the organization, in Mm. the company, right? Because it would have been foolish for me to say that I can do everything or, you know, for him to say he could do everything. So we identified those things. We we had our own skill sets. I mean, I'm a chemical engineer by uh, education. I did my master's in uh, business management and strategy. So there was no way I could, you know, start coding or I could get into development or UI (laughs) or, you know, any stuff. Uh, uh, So, you know, for me, it was in in, in uh, it, it was an obvious decision that i had to get into uh, you know strategy i had to get into marketing uh, promoting the brand growing the acquiring customers and you know so i focused my attention and energies on that side of the business whereas for varun because he came from a technology background because he was a uh, you know a designer as a freelancer himself so you know a lot of the ui the user experience a lot of the technology was built around his uh, you know skill sets and until date in fact you know that's how we do that uh, uh, I wouldn't say that there is any strategic decisions that I or him take alone as far as the company or the our, our direction as a brand is concerned that's something that we always sit down and we you know discuss and we decide on but in terms of our individual uh, spheres of influence you know which is for me it would be marketing and strategy and branding or for him it will be technology UI user experience you know though there we have almost uh, you know uh, complete independence Uh though you know we can always pinpoint we always have comments and I think we've grown into that relationship as well you know over a period of time we've uh, we understood that end of the day whatever we are asking or whatever we are saying is in the best or at least we think it's in the best interest of the business so even if we may uh, disagree with each other because we are just brothers and we want to pro- prove our point to each other uh, you know we can we still come back to it and we you know we 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 are able to make wise decisions i think so we've built on that relationship we've come to a working relationship and we respect each other for that hmm.
1: yeah this this whole idea of complementary you know skill sets is a is yeah. is an interesting one. I think, I think that's. I agree. That's sort of the secret to a really good co-founder relationship. And as well as you mentioned about respect and like your spheres of influence and sort of respecting each other's like competencies and skill sets and how those mesh together. Because you're, I love your comment about you know it's foolish to think you can do it alone. I I agree i this is such a tough job and such a hard way to make a living that you need a lot of help um and
0: so, yeah,
1: so has as and and you mentioned that it it sort of evolved and grew over time, your relationship um of course, your brothers and you know you're the older brother, I'm an older brother, so of course we're the best you know we're the experiment that mom and dad tried to figure out how to raise kids on, <laughs> so yeah you know, we're you know we're the of course. Firstborn's the best, ha ha ha. No, no offense to those that aren't firstborn, but I, I don't think I could work. I don't think I could work with my two brothers.
2: I mean, oh, even you have two brothers, even we had three brothers. Right? Yeah, yeah. Have two, so yeah. Three yeah, yeah. So three total. Yeah.
1: So I don't. I don't. I mean, we 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 work. We work okay together for certain things, but in terms of forming a company and working at a company, yeah, I think that'd be tough. I don't, I don't know if it's just our personalities. I mean, I think what, what's really interesting is that, I mean, you guys lucked out, right? Like you had the business background, he had the design and technology background. Um, mm. You know, that's really interesting yeah. mix because that's, I think, when a lot of young entrepreneurs are looking for a co-founder, again, the complementary skill set's important, but then the right complementary skill sets are also exactly. important. So yeah. h- how did you guys navigate when you didn't have those skill sets, how, how did it, how did the, how did your relationship evolve to like fill those gaps that you clearly needed, needed to be filled?
2: Uh, I think, you know, if you really think about it, uh, running a business, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you have to wear multiple hats, right? Uh, on one day, you, you know, you're hiring people or on on another day, you are, you know, looking up what does seo mean uh, on the third day you are you know trying to uh, uh, you know resolve issues between your colleagues or employees uh, you know being an hr i mean i think you know you, you learn i think uh, what happens is that no matter what kind of skill sets you have as an entrepreneur there's so many functions so many different aspects to running a business that you there is there are voids everywhere and what you need to do or what you need to have is that that uh, you know that ability or that at least that motivation to go out and learn things if you don't have you know there's a lot of self learning as an entrepreneur uh, having a co-founder really helps uh, because you, you know you can rely on somebody for advice you can discuss your issues problems strategies and many other things so uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't have it any other way you know uh, having a co-founder at least one for sure is very important because, you know, you can always, uh, there is always somebody to back your decisions or you're backing somebody else's decisions. And it, you know, it brings confidence. Uh, however, you know, that, that, uh, inc- that, that um, motivation or that uh, I'm not able to find the right word, but uh, that inclination, inclination to learn, to self-learn yeah. Yeah, is it, really important because, you know, there is so, there's so many things that you do not know. No matter what kind of skill sets you have, you know, you may be an engineer, you may be a marketing professional, but as a business owner, you have to do so many things. You have to, you know, when we started out, we didn't know how to hire people. We didn't know how SEO worked. We didn't know what was Google AdWords all about. We didn't know even how to build a website. You know, he was, he came from a computer science background, but, uh, you know, he had never built a website before. Right. So uh, what was coding all about how notifications work what was email marketing I mean we've basically self-learned everything you know Mm. and because maybe we were together and because we could rely on each other there were so many things that we went you know through together so there was a lot of common learning there as well you know not only that okay I was just doing my thing and he was doing his thing but you know when there were problems uh, we were to studying things together, we were researching things together. Until date, we do that. You know, when we're we're facing a challenge or we're facing an obstacle or we're not able to solve a uh, problem, then we you know we both get into it. And uh, I think that's sort of something that you know has really helped us because you know we take that as a common problem, irrespective of where our strengths lie. And we get into it. We'll speak to people. We'll ask for help. We'll research. We'll do whatever it, it whatever needs to be done to understand and resolve, uh, uh, an issue. Yeah,
1: no, that's this whole idea of being open to learning and this whole process of learning, I think is very astute. I've never met a successful entrepreneur that wasn't curious and like completely, you know, wrapped up in self like learning and knowledge gathering because you're right. I mean, there's so much. There's so much to be able to do, and you don't have to do it all. But I do. Yeah. Believe you have to know a little bit about it so that you know you're making the right. Exactly. Right. Yeah,
2: and I think I think I have to know a little bit more than a little bit because you know. because oh, I you, like that. There's a little so bit many fun-
1: more than a little bit. I like that. I'm going to steal that line.
2: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because you know, because see, you know, there are so many moving parts to a business there's so many functions to any anything whether it's development branding marketing human resource management you have to learn and you have and even if you can hire people you you may assume that you know they they know their stuff but how do you know whether they know their stuff or not if you don't know it yourself you know how would you really get into a conversation with them or, uh, you know, see if they are what they're talking about or what they're implementing or executing is the correct way to do it. Yeah. You need to have confidence in your people and your colleagues and your team members, but you also need to be aware of how things are to be done. Uh, uh, And I think that's really important. So, you know, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, I feel that no matter what kind of business it may be, it could be a technology business, a mom and pop shop, a, you know, a traditional industry, uh, one needs to uh, completely, completely immerse themselves into that business function, every aspect of that function for some period of time. And then, you know, you can sit back, then you can be at a macro level, you can, you know, take account of things and, you know, uh, set accountabilities and responsibilities. But once, but initially you have to do everything on your own. And I think if you do, if you're not able to do that, uh, somewhere or the other down the line, you know, you're going to struggle because you'll not know what people are talking about or if things are happening not in an incorrect manner, you'll not be able to point it out.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. So is there like something that you had to learn that, you really did not want to learn, but learned it anyway. I know for me, it's been sales. Like I am not, I, I I have so much respect for salespeople because I know how hard it is. But I fight that tooth and nail. I have such a hard time with it. I really struggle with it. But I know I have to learn it. I know I need to do a better job at it. So, are there? couple of things in the business side that you had to learn where you're like, gosh, I really don't want to do this. It was really hard for you to learn.
2: I think I'm doing one of them right now. (laughs) Oh, really? Um, Oh, really? What's that? Because, you know, I'm, so I always enjoy like, you know, being in meetings and, you know, discussion, discussing things and, you know, building strategies and sharing ideas and stuff. But for me, you know, ever since I was a small child, uh, you know, I had the stage fright kind of a thing. So, you know, for me, it was always a difficult thing for me to get on a platform, a stage or, you know, start talking. I, I always felt confident in, do, in my ability to do that, but I could never do it. Right. And, uh, and you know, and it's something, you know, that I'm, I've now started doing since the last one year more actively where I've started going on interviews, podcasts, shows, Uh, panel discussions um and and it's something that you know i initially to be very honest with you you know i i wouldn't really enjoy it's something i still to an extent i feel slightly uh you know uh, 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 aversive to but uh yeah but now i've become much more comfortable with that and i feel that it's you know it's good and i i like it i enjoy it because you know it's a lot of um self-introspection you know when I'm doing these so I also uh, go back and see things how we were doing things earlier what were the experiences challenges learnings and it's actually helping me as well you know though when I'm sharing that uh, uh, my experiences and thoughts with you or anybody else I feel that you know it could provide value to the people who are listening to them but at the same time even they're helping me as an entrepreneur because you know I'm able to disconnect with who I am today and I'm able to go back, reflect back and see what all things we were doing and the learnings we got from that.
1: Wow. So public speaking in interviews. <laughs> wow. Well, yes. you know, honestly, I mean, you're, you're doing a pretty good job on this show. So I, I appreciate um, you being honest and have candor about that because I do agree that I think it's this self-promotion piece that's can be, really challenging, especially out in the open, um, you know, like exactly. for the world to see, right? Like, am I going to say something stupid? Do, are, yeah. do, am I really like, and a lot of it can sometimes be imposter syndrome where it's like, am I really the person that can answer this? You know? Yeah. I'm running a massive SaaS company, you know, marketplace for design. It's growing at this huge rate. How many, I mean, how many customers do you have? You must have like a million customers or it's a it's a crazy number right
2: yeah we have, we've served over a million customers already so we have more than 250000 creative professionals who are registered on the platform uh more than a million entrepreneurs or businesses have used our services uh, in the last six seven years so yeah so so
1: the numbers are there so i mean pretty much you're an authority on design marketplaces <laughs>
2: i would say <laughs> I would, I would, I would like f- uh, people to believe that for sure. Yes, uh, I, I, I still feel that you know there is always so much to learn, and you know, so uh, so that process cannot ever be over. But yeah, for, uh, as far as uh, the world is concerned, I would like everybody to f- believe that. And I, uh, I, I even I, I feel that I've become you know a, a sort of an authority in the sense that I've started. Uh, you know, the more I'm speaking, the more I'm able to understand uh, 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 the integrities of the business, you know, because, you know, when you're doing something on a daily basis, you know, you don't really realize how much you're learning, you know, how much, what kind of your experiences, how they're uh, shaping you as an entrepreneur, as a founder, as a person. But it's actually when you talk about it, you know, then you realize that, okay, you know, wow, okay, we've had those experiences as well. Okay, we've done that as well. And so so they're quite self uh you know that's quite confidence boosting as well at the same time.
1: Wow, I really—it's actually a really good point. I, I really like the fact that you brought that up about reflection and writing about and speaking about your experiences and sort of sharing with the community because that's the reason why I do this podcast. And just you know, since you admitted your one of your hardest things, I will admit one of mine, I I talked a little bit about sales, right? Not being very good at that. But the one I have the most problem with is self-promotion. Even though, I mean, clearly I've got the credentials and I've done a lot of stuff. I have a hard time talking about the great things I've done. Part of the reason I did this podcast was to practice that. (laughs) So um, I find it really fascinating. And again, I'm very glad you brought this up and it's a really good lesson for entrepreneurs and what they're good and not good at. If you're not good at something like, you know, Raul and I are not as good at self-promotion and talking about what we do. The best thing you can do is do what we're doing is practice. I mean, I started this podcast a little over a year ago. You started talking to people uh, a little over a year ago. And to be honest, you're, you're, you're really good at it. I mean, I've, this is like the result of a lot of your hard work, which I, one i really appreciate that you're showing people as opposed to telling people like this is how you do it and two you know your your point about there's always something new to learn you can always be better i think is the driving force behind why you know design hill has been growing i mean it's it's a remarkable feat to say over the last 7 years we've helped a million people do a better design help them collaborate there's not a yeah. lot of people that can say that so when you think about the future and like how your personal growth and the growth of your company, and of you know, where do you see the world going? How, how, how do you, how does what you've experienced in the past sort of frame your future and where, where you think things are going?
2: Uh, so I just like to uh, ask this uh, here. So, you're asking me how, how am I looking at things shaping for us with design in the future or general, you know, in terms of technology or the that you
1: oh I'm glad you clarified I would say um first if you could talk about where you think design Hill will go hmm. and then second if you could comment on like the general like world I mean you're actually- in- it's interesting that you're in a unique spot because you see right. a bunch of entrepreneurs trying to start businesses and they need your services nice. right
2: well,
0: yeah.
1: So it's it kind of unique that way, which is fascinating because you're like at the beginning of the journey for everyone. Like I need a logo. Well, that's like website yeah. logo. <laughs> so yeah. yeah
2: exactly. Wanna... You're very right in that. You know, we are actually able to assess a lot of industry trends just by looking at the kind of projects that are happening on our platform. And we've done that in the past. We've, done, we've looked at trends. Like for example, uh, I don't know if uh, you know. I mean, you're in the states right now, right? And uh, three, four years back, we suddenly started seeing so many businesses who uh, were, so many people who who started coming up and were looking up for branding solutions and logos and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, for marijuana businesses, cannabis, marijuana, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, can and, cannabis, Yeah, yeah and uh, and it was just something you know we didn't anticipate or expect. So, you know, we just started looking at it and I'm like, wow, okay. Uh, it's still not legal in so many parts in the United States. I mean, I think, I think I recently read somewhere, New York just legalized it, isn't it? Uh, and, uh, and, you know, here's a trend. So what we did was we actually set up dedicated pages on our platform. We started, we did a complete study on the trends on uh, cannabis industry. Uh, because you know we realized that you know we were actually looking at and we were we were able to see so many different types of solutions and businesses that were coming up in that space uh and because, merely because of the fact that all these people were coming to our platform to get designs for them you know somebody was cooking stuff somebody was creating solutions somebody was creating cosmetic products and 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 you know we could actually create uh, uh, visualized trends and we did a paper on that and we published And we sent it out to all the cannabis journals and it got published as well, you know, and uh, so, yeah, so, you know, so we do get an insight or uh, sort of a view on, uh, you know, how uh, different industries or different spaces or new industries are coming up, you know, what are the trends? Because, you know, if you look at things on a larger scale, we are able to actually do a statistical analysis industry wise, you know, we map around 80 industries on our platform, 80 plus. So we know, okay, 15% businesses last year used our services from, uh, say, the restaurant industry. Now this year, it's gone down to 10%. So that means there is a slight, you know, uh, decrease or there's a certain amount of decrease in the trend in new businesses coming up in the restaurant space. You know, so we're able to do that kind of an analysis with us. So yeah, but coming back to your uh, question, you know, where do we see... uh, Design Hill, and uh, how do we see our platform growing in the future? You know, what I would like to say is that, you know, the design space has really evolved in the last few years, uh, you know, in terms of customer experiences, expectations, uh, and confidence in using online services to get, you know, design work and, you know, creative work and ordering products designed online. Uh, So, you know, earlier we started off as a freelancing platform, you know, we're just doing crowdsourcing. We went on to uh, create services, uh, which were more DI uh, and machine learning and AI based, you know, where people could, you know, just use our technologies and tools to, you know, create designs within a few minutes uh, themselves, you know, so we had uh, a number of tools have been built in the last two, three years. And, you know, they're doing really, really well, because now more and more people are looking at design and are looking for great design, you know, at a reasonable price. And uh, so, you know, that's a vertical that we, we ventured into and we've created a lot of services that are doing really well. Uh, Then we we looked at the printing side of the business, you know, because a lot of the customers that we had, you know, they were looking for printing solutions. Uh, You know, they were getting all, all the sort of stuff designed from our, uh, on our platform and they were eventually wanting to get them printed. So we've done, partnerships with uh printing fulfillment companies all over the world and today we're shipping to more than 100 countries worldwide uh so you know we've become a completely designed to print platform uh no matter what what kind of design you want uh what kind of product you want so we would be printing over more than 50 products uh from t-shirts to merchandise and and that's that's really how you know the business and the complete design space is evolving you know customers are very happy now to go to one platform uh, if they have a budget for twenty dollars, they can find something. If they want to hire a professional designer, and spend thousand dollars. They have a, so we have a solution for that. If they want to print their business cards or or uh, t-shirts for their uh, uh, team or, or you know for holidays, uh, they can do that on our platform. So you know, so I think that the design space is definitely evolving a lot, and with that, you know, we are evolving as a platform uh, uh, as well, and I think. I don't know what's going to happen in three or five years because the space is so dynamic and so uh, fast evolving. But I think we are very well placed uh, to serve every kind of customer, no matter if it's a work from home mom or a multinational company, because we are serving everybody today. Uh, The way we are uh, evolving now, uh, in terms of technologies, in terms of how things are happening, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier... Who would have thought that we would you be able to use machine learning and AI to create design tools and to create designs, right? Uh, we, we are able to accomplish that today. Uh, some of the technologies are really, really, you know, I, I get really fascinated by our, our, like 3D printing. Uh, you see the way uh, companies are coming into the space and they are creating so many uh, oper- uh, types of, uh, you know, uh, products using 3D printing, new materials are coming in place. I read somewhere recently, Boeing and Airbus, you know, the two largest manufacturers of air, air, airplanes and aircrafts, uh, they have, they started using 20 to 30 percent of their uh, accessories that go into manufacturing an engine uh, are through 3D printing. You know, and so it's going to change how industries are going to function. People are now making boats. Uh, complete boats using 3D printing so there's a lot of lot of change uh, which is happening around the world in terms of technologies whether that's uh, EVs, electric vehicles, 3D printing or you know even uh, life sciences Uh, so I mean it would be uh, foolish for me to really comment on how I completely see the world in next 5, 10, 15 years but I really see it's changing a lot because of the technologies that are now really, you know, growing and maturing um, everywhere around us.
1: I mean, yeah, your, your comment about the cannabis industry and the, the trend or the signal you saw three to four years ago with a bunch of companies getting into this space, is there a similar trend that you're seeing today that you think may in the next three to four years be similar to what cannabis did? Because it seems like, I mean, I don't know. I I. I it, what what seems to be kind of a fascinating thing just in general is some industries are completely cratered. Like you mentioned, the restaurant, clear signal on the restaurant industry. Not a lot of restaurants are opening. And then there's mm-hmm. others that are just exploding with massive growth because of because of COVID. We're still in, in COVID time. So any mm-hmm. any kind of trend that you see today that you think may be something in the next three to four years?
2: Uh, in terms of trends, I think the, the the number one focus that we are seeing today is a, a lot in the EV space. Uh, you know, lot, there are a lot of new companies that are coming up, you know, who are making charging stations. There are a lot of companies are coming up with new batteries uh, for vehicles, for logistics companies. And I think that's a space which is really, really hot right now. And, uh, and I mean, you can just see what Tesla's share prices today, isn't it? I mean, Elon Musk is probably the first, uh, the richest or the second richest person in the world now uh, with Tesla and they don't even have that much revenue because, but it's the future potential of that company which is being factored into today, isn't it? So, uh, and I'm we're seeing that trend everywhere. You know, uh, I think that's that's something, that's one trend which is really going to revolutionize how we the uh, we, we move around and it'll, you know, change the mobility industry globally. And there's so many uh, sub uh, industries and sub opportunities that are coming up now in that space, uh, you know, or everywhere. I mean everywhere. So so I think that's that's one to really look out for and which we are actually in the midst of right now.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree that we're in the midst of the electric vehicle kind of revolution. You know, I mean it was interesting because yeah. people kind of poo-poo it as well, you need all these charging stations and well, you need all this infrastructure and I don't think people remember the history of like the automobile. And before there were gas stations, there were no gas stations. There was no infrastructure to put around petrol. It was steam. Like imagine that, you know, now I think, you know, again, like when it comes to infrastructure, I mean, solar power is the other one where it's like, Oh, solar power is so expensive. You're like, well, yeah, but the wires to bring power to your house that infrastructure was super expensive too. And, you know, it, it's just a matter of time. Right. I think, which, which is what your point is. And
2: yeah, really, yeah,
1: yeah. that's really super interesting. I mean, yeah, like it is, you know, to your point, you're at, you know, you're at this start of companies, right? Like your platform is, this is someone's idea that they need help with and they want some design help. And it is interesting that you guys are starting to look at machine learning and AI to sort of help or assist in design. There's a, a company called Z Brand that, that's doing the same thing. Uh, I interviewed their CEO, Rio, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he was talking a lot about how he wanted to democratize design and make design harmony. And a lot of it's, you know, there's basics that you can get 70% the way there with tools and then the 30% or, you know, as Peter Thiel says, the zero to one is the creative stuff that focus on the creative. Don't worry about the mechanics. And are, are you seeing that as well when what, and what you guys are doing because that seems to be one of the major stumbling points for a lot of kind of entrepreneurs. I mean, I see the same thing in like the storytelling and the PR and marketing space where it's like, the fundamentals, the structures, the frameworks, the rules of thumb that are, you know, you just learn, but also can be, you know, machines could do it to a first order. And then you could focus on kind of the creativity. Do do you, are you seeing the same kind of thing in what you guys are doing? Uh,
2: I, I, I slightly look at it, uh, you know, differently in the sense that, uh, you know, how, See, it's, it's, you know, design is very subjective. First of all, you know, you may like the design. I may not like the same design, right? So it really differs from person to person and human to human. Uh, however, having said that, uh, you know, what machines and tools and AI and all of these things uh, are definitely making it possible for us to create quality design, Uh in a very short space of time, accessible to a lot of people, but when it comes to you know creativity and human uh, interaction and one-to-one uh, you know uh, interaction or custom designing and you know all of that, you can it cannot humans cannot be replaced because you know design is such a you know it's so much dependent on creativity you know that human intellect and you know i mean we see, we have, we work with so many designers around the world and you know for a similar for the for the same same project you know when maybe we have four or five or 10 designers working you see the 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 how they visualize the design how they visualize the brief that a customer gives is completely completely different you know so no matter what you do with machine learning and ai and all of those things uh, you cannot replace humans uh, or the human creativity uh, element uh, to any extent but what we are able to do with these technologies is that you know for people who could not afford uh, to have a professional designer who could not afford to uh, pay 200 dollars or you know 100 dollars or 300 dollars or whatever the amount may be to hire somebody who could do a custom job for them, for a lot of those people, you know, maybe they're running a side hustle, maybe they're just, you know, starting something very small, and they don't have a budget for it. For those people, these tools are becoming really handy, right? So there is a clear distinction here. Uh, 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 we are only; these tools are only be uh, serving to provide designs or quality designs accessible to a lot of people who could not afford to hire a professional designer otherwise so you know they'll probably just nick something off google or they just ask a friend or you know somebody's friend's friend to make a design for them so you know this is a much better solution because you know we are in, we've invested into technology and you know there is machine learning and all of that and you're going to get a lot of solutions in a few clicks and you know you don't have to pay more than 20 40 50 dollars for it uh, so you know so they are well served and better served that way so I think there is a distinction here and we are we're really serving different sets of customers and people, uh, you know, through technology and AI and through the custom solutions through freelancers and designers.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point. I think it's similar to the no code movement, to be yeah. honest. I mean, you really can't replace a good developer. There no. are some things that just can't be done unless you hire someone to do it that knows what they're doing. But yeah. as you mentioned, some of the things that you may want to like—you don't have enough money, or you want to try something. You have a side hustle. I see this a very symbiotic relationship, and I really, I really like the fact that you brought up about, hey, you know, we should make design accessible to everyone. I mean, that's what Rio over at Z Brand is the same, same exact thing. It's like there's no reason this should be closed off. And once you, and I think the think the other premise that's really important and that I think is missed sometimes is that once you are comfortable with no code or code or design or what design means and what aesthetics and what you mentioned about, you know, learning a little bit to know, or I think the word is you need to need to learn a little bit more than a little bit, (laughs) which I really love. I love that saying. Um, But I think this accessibility then opens up. I, I, I personally think to more opportunities for actual designers, because once you've made it a little less scary and once you've sort of like, I wouldn't say democratize the process, but we can use that word. um, You just open up for more opportunity. And I think as entrepreneurs, I think that's the thing that we're trying to do when we start a company. And if you're trying to start a company, you know, you kind of want to have that mindset as well. You don't want to be everything to everyone because that's hard to do. But in the niche that you've niched down to, in the thing that you want to do, the one thing you want to do well, it's really important to kind of have that mindset of how do I open the access up to this technology? So it's really astute. Yeah. I like. I really like that. And um, so I'm I'm curious. So if there's a new entrepreneur coming up in the world and they're listening to this, what what advice would you give them about how to approach the entrepreneur journey
2: i mean there's so much i can share i i don't know if i i wouldn't put it as advice uh but you know in terms of from what i've learned from my experiences i would like to share two or three things uh one would be that you know don't be you know people are going to say a lot of things you know because when we Speak to uh, our friends and our family, and then colleagues, and you know you should listen and absorb, but eventually do what you feel you know you your you know your heart says, your mind says is is the right thing to do because you know you get all all types of advices and all types of uh, recommendations and do's and do nots from a lot of people you know so absorb everything uh, but eventually you know list the things down that you really feel are the ones that you want to. Go with number one. Uh, number two, uh, I think it's really important to try. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, don't try things, you know, and trying doesn't mean that, you know, just try this business or that business. No, what I'm saying is, whatever you decide to do, whatever business it may be, whatever uh, field it may be in, uh, try a uh, lot of things, you know, keep trying because. Uh, you know, nobody is really doing anything which is completely new or is being done for the first time. So if there are people out there who've done something successfully, then why can't you do it? You just need to figure it out. So uh, uh, failing is, you know, is a a great thing. And, you know, we we learn a lot from failing. You know, failure tells us what not to do. Failure tells us uh, what else can be done you know and, and and so there are a lot of things out there so that we can learn from trying and failing so that's that's the second thing that i would really you know share uh, with uh, anybody who's looking to start or who's in in the early stages of their entrepreneurship uh, life cycle uh, and the third would be uh, i would say just you know try and you know test things out quickly you know don't go for that perfect product don't go for the perfect service don't try and build the perfect platform uh, when you're trying uh, or venturing yourself into a new venture or you're you know getting into a new venture because uh you know you don't know what your customer really needs you know so you know a lot of times we we may think that you know this is how uh, my product should look like or should taste or should feel should, the experience should be this way but you know, when you actually see and when the customers really experience it, uh, you know, you learn a lot, which will really change the way, uh, you know, you thought initially. And I think it goes for every kind of business in the world. No, you can, you know, we can research it online. We can ask our friends, family, anybody we want to. But no product remains the same as it's initially conceptualized or visualized, right? So, So it's better to go in quickly, it's better to go in and, you know, get feedback from your customers as quickly as possible, uh, because that will teach us a lot about what they're willing to pay for and how they're liking your product and not. So, so yeah, so these are the, uh, you know, uh, few things that I like to share with people, which I, from my experience, I've learned and I feel that, you know, they can be pretty useful for anybody uh, who's looking into uh, the space.
1: Yeah, th- those were great. Really, really appreciate your time, Raul. It's been such a fascinating conversation. You know, good luck scaling, continuing to scale Design Hill. And uh keep on practicing your public speaking because <laughs> you're pretty you're pretty darn good at it, my friend. I'm very, very impressed. So good job.
2: Thank you, Jerry. It was a pleasure to be here and I had a great time. It was really enjoyable and you know loved sharing with you and you know listening to you as well.
1: Thanks again, Raul, for being on the show and honestly having the courage to uh, get out there and public speak. I appreciate you sharing uh, that insight. Uh, Super powerful. So as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Raul. Listen and absorb advice from others. But in the end, it's up to you to determine the best path to take. Don't be afraid to try different things in pursuit of your goal. We learn a lot from our failures. We do, actually. Don't aim for perfection when you're starting out. Test your product or service, listen to feedback, and then improve from there. You won't be good at everything required to be an entrepreneur. Don't worry. Do the best you can and explore how to get better like Raul does with public speaking. That was actually a pretty profound moment. I really was pretty shocked by that. Uh, Raul founded the company, as we know, with his brother. His advice on co-founders is to have complementary skills and to be honest with each other. Being brothers does give them another level of honesty that might be lacking with non-family members, so keep that in mind. But Complimentary skill set is a great piece of advice for your co-founder. So there you have it, the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Raul. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions, or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.